You may not know this, but Easter at its core is a demonstration of power. The Bible says that to raise Christ from the dead took unimaginable power. The Bible also says that that same power is available to you and me. I wonder if you're connected to God's power. If you're not, then you're living your life on human power. You know, when it comes to a cyclist, the average typical cyclist can generate almost one horsepower, and that for only a few seconds. If you're just operating with human power, your life will be ordinary, and maybe you're okay with that. Most of us are not. Most of us long for more in life. We imagine there's got to be another level. We, we think there's got to be a way to break free from the spell of the typical. My friends, there is. Are you interested? Do you want more out of life? Ready? typical bicyclist is capable of generating one horsepower. My buddy's war machine, 400 horsepower. That baby is a fully customized 1500cc nitrous oxide injected drag bike. One of the fastest land vehicles on planet Earth. Well, I think the comparison is laughable. My friends, we can operate through life with human power alone, or we can access power of another kind. This Easter, it's time we learn how to connect with resurrection power. So, so you ready for this? That motorcycle goes zero to 60 in 1.1 seconds. How about that? A few more seconds, it's hitting its top speed of 190 miles an hour. Uh, I can't go that fast. I was, I'm close, you know, maybe 1.1 hour, zero to 60 in my case. But uh, what, a, what a trip. Hey, happy Easter to everyone, all of you at Bolingbrook and uh, 95th and Wheaton here at Hobson. Just so glad to be with you. You know, I'm unimpressed with human power. I just am. 
You can pedal as hard as you want to, try to live your life on your own power, and I don't think you're going to get very far. I think humans are inherently weak. Now, I know that many would disagree with me. In fact, you could go to Barnes & Noble, right, and see the self-help section, and all of those books would tell you, no, Jeff, you're so wrong. The power of the human. Deep within you, you've got what it takes. You've got all you need. You know, awake the giant within well, I've searched within me and ain't found no sleeping giant in here. You know, I just, I, I, I'm pathetic. Pathetic. My human power, and may, maybe you have more confidence in yourself than I do in me. I just know that breaking out of the typical isn't going to happen. My life will be locked in mediocrity at best if I try to do it on my own power. And I believe the key to life is learning you weren't made to do it on your own power. That human beings were created by God to connect with a power beyond themselves, namely God's power operating in our lives. Can I show you a verse that it's just so much fun? This verse can change your life. Here's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Paul's saying, uh, I pray that you will understand. He's talking to us. He said, I pray you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power. His power for us who believe in him. It's for us. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but Easter is a demonstration of power. This verse makes it clear that for Christ to raise from the dead when his cold corpse was lying in that tomb, the miracle of infusing life and regenerating his corpse, that took power. Resurrection takes power. I wonder if the Justice League people got it out of this verse. You know what I'm talking about? The, the superhero movie Justice League just came out in DVD two weeks ago. My son Jake and I sat down to enjoy this flick together. And uh, they, they've got the epic scene, you know, the resurrection of Superman. He, he died in the previous movie. And so this movie starts on a very low note. The superhero is dead. He's dead. But it builds to this moment where they say maybe power can do resurrection. Uh, The power in the movie is from this thing called the mother box. Did you you see it? The mother box is this object from outer space that contains power of an unworldly sort. And the, the thought is, maybe we can use this power to resurrect Superman. Well, it works. Oh, I shouldn't have told you that. Maybe, uh, maybe it works. Go see the movie. Huh? It resurrects Superman. And then the villain grabs it, steals it, and says, wow, if this power can resurrect, what can I do with a power like that? And he takes the mother box and goes off to conquer the world. Maybe that's your thought when you read this verse. You're saying, so the power that raised Christ from the dead is available to us. So I'm going to say, God, thank you. I've been looking for some power like this. Now I'm going to take it and go accomplish my dreams. I've got a life I I want to live, and I'm going to use this power to realize my dreams. Ain't going to work, can I just tell you? It's not your dreams that the power is for. It's God's dreams for you. 
Key to understanding the power of God is the submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ. I know theological terms. It simply means abandoning your right to call the shots and saying, Jesus, from now on, whatever you want with my life, I want you to write my story. I want your dreams to be true in me. When you surrender to the lordship of Jesus and say your dreams in my life, then his power can be actualized to make that true. God, it's what you want. And so let's talk about that. What does God want? What is he desiring to do in our lives with this power, this resurrection power? Well, that's a great question. You know, maybe a definition of power would begin to guide us to the answer of that. So let's take a look. Power is defined as the capacity to produce change. So God wants to bring change in your life. And and maybe you think, yeah, I'll take change. Change my circumstances, Lord. No, once again, not what he's interested in. As we study scripture, we discover God is far more inclined to want to change you then change your circumstances. He wants his power, resurrection power, operative in your life to make you a different person. You're like, oh, do I need that much change? Uh Uh-huh, you do, and so do I. Well, what kind of change does he want to bring about? Well, that's a good question. And I want to talk about three changes, three changes that God desires his power to bring about in our lives. And to illustrate the three changes, I want to use another symbol of power here. This is a lithium battery from the uh, Ryobi One Plus series. I love Home Depot. Oh, love that store. And they've got these power tools. It's amazing. One battery plugs into 100 different tools. Glory. Is that amazing or what? Huh? Yeah, I got three of them here. And I want to use these power tools to illustrate three of the changes God desires to bring about in our lives. The first is a, a vacuum cleaner. Yes. God wants to clean up a mess that's in your life and mine. And you say, really? Yeah, it's called our behavior. Uh, We need God's power to change our behavior. Bad behavior is called sin in the Bible. And every one of us has got stuff we do. We did, we do. Habits that are destructive to us and others and offensive to God. And God says, let's clean that up, shall we? But if you're trying to clean up, you're like, I'm going to pedal my life harder and I'm going to change my life. On your own, you're just not getting very far. When it comes to changing the behavior of humanity, that is one of the most immense challenges known to planet Earth. And so what you need is divine power to clean up our mess. Now, Maybe, tell you what, I'm going to leave a little bit there just to remind us that Christians are far from perfect. We have, if you've been connected to the power of God, sanctifying, that's the big word, sanctifying you, making you holy, you've, you've, you've left behind a lot of behaviors that used to characterize your life, but you still got some dirt. You still got some stuff. This is an ongoing process for all of us. But one of the glorious things the power of God is here to do is to change the way we live, our behavior. I'll show you this in the Bible. It says in 2 Peter 1.3, God's power, 
has given us everything we need to live a godly life. What is a godly life? That's behavior stuff. It's a God life. You know, it's the way God does life. And friends, I'm here to tell you, God is beautiful. Not beautiful on the outside. I'm talking about the heart, the character, the way God acts. The more you study our maker, creator, and king, the more you're like, wow, the way you do life, it's extraordinary. And we are so different from him. We are so junked up. But increasingly, as the power of God works in the Christian's life over years, his power changes us to live more like him. We are growing to live a godly life. You can pedal as hard as you want to trying to live a godly life and you'll fail. You need to humbly say, God, I need your power to change me because I've tried to change myself and I can't do it. So there's number one, our behavior. i got another power tool here. This is called the torque driver, all right? Torque driver. Isn't that fun? If, if you want to put a screw into a block of wood, you know, you can try to do it without the battery. And what? You, you will be incapable. This transformation has to do with changing our ability Things that we want to be able to do and make an impact and live greatly. We just can't without the power. So the same power that God uses to clean up the sin in our behavior, he can use to make us able to accomplish. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, just the sound brings joy to my heart. He enables us to accomplish things we'd never be able to. God is going to give you assignments that you can't do on your own power. He's going to tell you to raise those crazy kids. And you're like, I can't. Fight for that marriage. Love those neighbors. Preach seven Easter sermons. And we just can't do it on our own strength. Where, where does it talk about this power transforming our ability? Let me show you a great verse. Colossians 1, 11. God's power will make you strong. Strong enough to endure anything. Anything that God assigns to you. Any trial God asks you to walk through. You may say, I'm too weak for that. Absolutely right on that point. You are too weak for that. But with his power operative in you, weak people get strong. I got a friend in my small group who's dealing with brain cancer. They've cut open his skull and dug deep in his brain to remove tumor twice. You could have it again. And we were just talking in our last time we were together. We were like, how, how do you walk down a hallway to have your skull cut open? And he goes, guys, it was so weird. He said, when I went in for each surgery, this peace comes over me, this courage that I don't know. I'm like, hey, let's do this thing. He's not naturally a super strong guy. This is a supernatural dynamic. This is the power of God showing up in an ordinary person, giving them a strength that they don't have. Friends, you want to make a difference in this world? You want to live an extraordinary life that leaves a mark in the lives of people? You can't! Unless you humbly say, I can't. God, I need your power to infuse this frail frame to enable me to do things I never thought I could do for your sake. All right. 
ability. Let's do one more, shall we? This time I, I have a lamp. This lamp has a button on it that I'm pressing to no effect. You know, what kind of a lamp is this? Lamps were made to glow. Lamps were made to shine. This has to do with power transforming our emotions. We were made to be filled with life and joy and passion and exuberance for every day. But unfortunately, we have this gloomy sometimes disposition and a, a lack of passion. We're, we're downcast and in despair. And we try to change. We pedal harder saying, I'm going to change my emotion. Can't. But the same power that transformed our ability can be applied to our emotional life. And look at that. We glow. We glow with a joy and a zeal that we never knew before. It's the power of God at work in our heart. Let let me show you this in Scripture. Uh, It says in Romans 15, 13, May the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, do what? Fill you with hope. Maybe you don't think of power and emotions as connecting. Oh my, they do. Power can infuse you with a hope you did not know before. Hope is when you go from despair to joyful anticipation. Hope is when you go from it's all terrible to, oh, the glory of the days ahead. I can't wait for the future and what God has in store. Hope is foundational for this emotional shift. And friends, God is bringing me hope. Maybe I'll just share a little bit of my story as it relates to emotion. I was a sad kid. As a young man, I had a gloomy, fearful, anxiety-ridden disposition. And then later, I connected to the transforming power of Jesus Christ, and it changed. I live with a joy and a love for life I can't explain other than to say something supernatural is going on in me. The power of God is changing me, bringing a hope where there was despair. Friends, one of the great works of God is his power applied to our emotional life. Wow. The power of God can revolutionize us in these three ways. Now, I I feel the need to give a warning at this point. Maybe you're like, yeah, it's not working like that for me. Hey, let me tell you something about these tools. You go to Home Depot to buy them, and you discover, wow, they're, they're reasonably priced. You know, I think this was like 24 bucks, and this is 19 you know. And you're like, yeah, that's not bad, but here's the deal. You buy them, and you fail to notice what it says on the box. You know what it says on the box? It says, battery not included. $80 for the battery. It's the most expensive part of the whole deal, all right? And so essentially, you've purchased something defective, incomplete, doesn't work, until you purchase the battery as well. Friends, we are born battery not included. We are born deficient. Maybe this is bad news, but you got to face the reality of it. God specifically made us born incomplete. We don't have what it takes to make life work. A problem needs to be solved. A purchase needs to be made. A divine transaction that gains an essential element needs to take place. I'll show you this in the, the passage we already looked at. Ephesians 1, 19, 20. Remember, this is our main verse. I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. For who? Look, at I've, I've highlighted these words. For us who believe in him. 
Is this power for everybody? No. It's only for those who believe in him. Those who don't believe in him don't have the power. None of us have the power until we believe in him. And you say, well, all right, I'll believe in him. What do I got to do to believe in him? I think I believe in him. I believe Jesus existed. Here I'm at an Easter service. I'll even say I believe he resurrected from the dead. That's great. That's moving towards what the Bible refers to as believing in him, but it's not enough. To believe in the Lord is more than giving cognitive acknowledgement to a set of facts. Believing, placing your faith, as the Bible says, your trust in Jesus is to cling to him. Not just saying I believe with my head, but I cling to you with all of my heart. You're my only hope, Jesus. I'm trusting, believing in you. As a, in regards to my sin, Jesus, I know you came and died on the cross, taking my place. It's amazing, but true. That God died on the cross with our guilt transferred to his shoulders so that the death penalty, our punishment, would be satisfied by him being our substitute. Isn't that incredible? And so when we have faith in Jesus, we are saying, Jesus, I'm trusting you to be my savior. I know my sin problem can't get forgiven any other way than you applying what you did on the cross to my life. But it's beyond that. It's, I'm trusting you with my life. Not only my sin, but my life. Going forward, I'm going to follow you and lean on your power to, to live this great life. Friends, have you bought the battery? Uh, again, you were born... Battery not included. Have you had that divine transaction? Have you bought the battery? And you're like, well, sounds great, but how, how much does it cost? <laughs> Glad you asked. It's free! Uh, one of the most astounding, astounding theological realities found in Scripture is that this reconciliation with God through Christ, this great newness of life that's being offered to each of us is free. And if you try to earn it, transaction won't go through. You've got to humbly come to the end of yourself and say, all right, all right, all right. I offer nothing. I simply receive this incredible gift that God is offering, the grace of new life, forgiven life in Jesus Christ. And so, though free, you still got to grab it and say, I want it. And so I wonder if you have. The fact that you were born in a Christian family, that's great, but it's not enough. The fact that you were baptized as a kid or you've taken communion or you say prayers, again, nice, not enough. You need to do business with God. Look him in the eye and say, what you have offered, I have come to receive. And in fact, I want to give a prayer opportunity right now to do just that. In my closing prayer, this is a chance for you to look God in the eyes and say, I, this offer of newness of life in Christ, yes, I want it. I'm clinging to Jesus. Not my parents' decision, my decision. As I pray, truthfully, what I say is not so important. God's listening to the silent cry of your heart in this moment, and he wants to know, are you in or you out? You tell me. So why don't you tell him? Let's bow our heads. And if you want to be a true Christian, pray silently along these words. <coughs> Lord, been pedaling my bike really, really, really hard, trying to live life on all my own power. It's laughable, I know. You see it. It's laughable. It doesn't work. I've messed up. And so with all humility, we're asking for your power to be applied to our lives. Jesus Christ, 
the resurrected king. Would you come and be the king of our lives? Jesus, would you wash away our sin? Only you can forgive sin. Be the, our savior from our sin condition. And Jesus, would you, little by little over the days and years to come, infuse your resurrection power into our lives and make our lives new. Please, Jesus, we cling to you. We say yes. We want in on the offer of the century. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. It dawns on me that Easter is called the glorious day. And that it is. And for those of you who just prayed that prayer, looked God in the eye and did business, my friends, this Easter is glorious behind, beyond any you have ever experienced. How cool is that? Hey, I met a new friend last fall. I was at our Wheaton campus, and I was in the, uh, the atrium section after a service, and this guy comes up to me, and he's like, Hey, Pastor, my name is Romeo, and I wanted to meet you, young man. I said, hi, Romeo, how you doing? He goes, me? I'm doing great, man. I am free from prison. And I'm thinking, is he speaking metaphorically here or what? So I asked him, hey, yeah, tell me more about that, Romeo. And he goes, no, really. He goes, I just finished serving a 12-year prison sentence for attempted murder. I'm like, security? You know, is there anybody around here? I was like, congratulations. I mean, what do you say in a moment like that? Uh, he, he elaborated. He said, Jeff, my life was a mess. I was a scary young man. He said, I was on drugs and in gangs and into violence. And after eight years in prison, I found Jesus four years ago. And he said, Jesus has utterly transformed my life. He said, I am a new person. You are. You know, this is that moment where do I believe what I'm preaching kind of comes to bear. And I said, well, I'd like to get to know this new Romeo. And so he and I have been building a friendship. And it's true. The power of Jesus Christ, the resurrection power, the, the power that raised Christ from the dead has risen Romeo from a life of death. His behavior has, is transformed. This man is free from addictions and behaviors that plagued him. His ability, it's, it's astonishing how this man who's lived most of his life in prison is going out now and proclaiming the power of Jesus Christ to groups and individuals, and God is using him to advance his cause in amazing ways. Emotion. Romeo has had a hard life, but he has got a joy and an exuberance that I find contagious. My joy has increased just borrowing from him. It's true. The power of God, like nothing else, changes lives. Hey, I want you to hear it from Romeo himself. I grew up in a southeast side of Chicago where there's a lot of drugs, a lot of gangbanging and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, the, the, the life at home sucked. I ended up running away for a whole summer when I was 15. Uh, and But at the same time, I'm drinking, I'm doing drugs. I started getting involved with gangs. But it all, it all came to a big stop when I was 17 years old and I was partying with friends. And uh, 
I ended up getting into an altercation and where uh, I committed a crime, I got charged with attempt murder. And I just remember thinking like, man, I ruined my life, you know? For me, I coped with reading and writing. And like I said, I was re reading a lot of uh, self-help books, just uh, psychology, philosophy. I remember going to a group and I came back crying because I was sad about, I mean, for years I had been struggling with the guilt and the shame of my, the bad things I had done in my life. The weight and the burden of sin, it was all over me. I said, whoever you are, whatever you are, I said, but I don't know what else to do. I'm, I'm, I'm hurt, I'm broke, I want to give up. I was thinking about suicide. And I remember, I, I don't even remember what happened in between that moment after I was done saying that prayer until there was a moment where I can come outside my room. As I look up and down the, the deck, I see a brother sitting by himself. I said, can I have a seat with you? And he said, yeah. And without saying a word, he literally started to speak about everything I was struggling with. And I'm just sitting there just listening, like what in the world is going on? And I remember, I felt like this, the only way I can explain it is like it felt like an energy, right? Like this f feeling of something that was there, a presence was there with us. And I just remember standing in my cell, holding my Bible and I, talking to God. And on October 8, 2014, I officially, you know, gave my life to the Lord. and. He, uh, it was a hit since. I mean, he made himself real in a way that I could not deny it. You know, like there's, there's no going back for me because he entered here, just completely took over. I'm starting to think, okay, where am I gonna go when I get out? I ended up learning about prison ministry, specifically about Koinonia House. And I told him my situation, like, man, I feel like God's calling me to, you know, to, to do this. The ministry came and picked me up. A bunch of brothers met me at the gate, and, um, and I've been at the house since. I was able to get a job, and I've been working. Uh, been So much favor has been over my life from the Lord. He's the one that changes us. He's the one that does the work on us. And so I learned right away that it's, not, it's never going to be a book. When I met the Lord and I gave my life to Him, I exponentially changed. Like, I had changed a lot up until that point before I met the Lord. And there was the self-help and all that, but I was miserable still, right? But when I met the Lord, I found a joy, I found a love, I found a peace, I found clarity, I found truth all through it.